On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I tell you all about my driving test and I walk you through what it was like purchasing my first ever car. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 45 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. For 52 weeks between the ages of 24 and 25, I'm going to be recording and releasing a weekly podcast to see just how much my life can change in a year. This is the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and it's a completely honest view into my life as I take on some fairly unusual things. And this episode right here is all about week number 45 in that journey. And I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good because the time is 8pm and I've just broken my golden caffeine rule of having no caffeine after four o'clock because you know what? Today I have been so tired. Got to bed really late last night, had to get up early this morning had lots to deal with, lots of work to do today. And so, yeah, I've just been knackered. And although often I'll jump on this podcast and record whilst half asleep, this week I thought, nah, I'm just going to break my rule. I'm going to have a coffee. Um, What that will do to my ability to sleep tonight, I don't know. Hopefully not a lot. Hopefully I can still get to sleep. But either way, what it is going to do is make the next half an hour of my life easier and hopefully the next half an hour of your life that's slight bit easier to listen to so there we go um i'll be honest this episode is basically just going to be me talking about my driving test me talking about uh, everything that came after that because that has been a lot of what's been going on this week but before i do that uh what else have i been up to not a lot, to be honest, as in nothing exciting, nothing noteworthy. I'm in Corby at the moment, got back here on Sunday. And since then, to be honest, I've just been working. Uh, lots going on, as I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, with quarter four now being upon us, with Christmas fast approaching for our uh, consumer clients. It's just been a busy week, and I'm sure it's going to just get busier. Um... Went for food with my mum today, that was good. It's been a while since I've done that because of lockdown and everything, so that was nice. Um, I think that's it, other than all of the driving stuff that I'm about to tell you about. I think this week has just been one of staying at home and working. But let's go back to where I left off last week. So last time we spoke was the evening before my driving test. And if you listened last week, you'll remember me telling you about the fear I was feeling uh, with the thought of the driving test approaching, the fear of not quite knowing if I was ready, not quite knowing what was going to happen and having essentially no control, not no control over the inputs because ultimately I was going to be the one driving the car on the test, but having no control on how my driving would be, I guess, subjectively uh, analysed and the outcome, right? Like all of that stuff was just flying through my head at a million miles an hour And so I finished recording last week's podcast, I put my laptop away and I went to sleep and actually got a good night's sleep, like it didn't keep me awake the night before. And then we were on Friday, so this is all new since we last spoke, right? So Friday morning was the day of my driving test and I went to the office for about two hours beforehand in the morning 
and I tried to have just as normal a day as I could. So getting on with work, I think I did a couple of calls that morning uh, and then had some breakfast and looked out the window of the office and outside was my driving instructor, Lewis. And so I thought, shit, this is really it. Can't back down now. He's here. He's ready for me to jump in the car, drive us to Cardiff, pull into that test centre car park and get on with my test. And weirdly on the day, I didn't feel nervous at any point really. Um, And I'm sure you have had situations like this in the past. I, I draw a similarity to when I go on stage and speak at an event, which quite honestly hasn't been very common recently. But I think back to like, Uh, The TED talk, the TEDx talk I did back in 2015. Weeks and weeks and weeks of lead up towards that talk um, made it feel like an enormous deal. I made it feel like the pressure of the world was on my shoulders when I stepped out on that stage that day in London. But despite all of the fear leading up to the day, when I actually stepped out on stage that day, all those years back, I didn't feel any nerves at all. Um, and it, it's kind of the same with the driving test in as much as for the two or three weeks leading up to the test, uh, there was just this compounding fear that was building within me with all of these like crazy questions I had. And I would get into YouTube rabbit holes and start reading uh, the student room forums and Reddit posts and just literally trying to learn as much about the driving test as possible. And yet on the day, um, and I kind of spoke about this last week because we spoke just before the test, right? On the day, I was kind of at peace because I recognised that anything I could do, I had done, and that there was nothing more I could do to prepare for the test, so I just had to drive as I normally do. And so we get to the test centre, and um, we wait around for a few minutes, and then my driving examiner comes out, So they meet you outdoors at the moment because of coronavirus. You don't sit inside the waiting area. You basically wait in the driving test center car park. My driving examiner comes out and she introduces herself, greets me. um, And she seems already very, very happy and very friendly, which immediately caught me off guard, but in a good way, because I don't know why, but my... Uh, my assumption of what a driving examiner would be like is like a grey-haired, uh, ageing man who is very particular and doesn't say a lot and doesn't really humanise themselves. Like, in my head, that was the avatar of who I thought would be sat next to me on test day and who would be breathing down my neck as I drove for those 40 minutes. But uh, this lady just was the exact opposite of that in a good way, in every way, right? And so before the test starts, the examiner wants to look at your your provisional license. And so I hand this examiner my provisional license and I say, excuse the photo because my provisional photo was taken back in like 2013, I think. And I mean, it wasn't fashionable back then, my haircut, but it's certainly not fashionable now. I literally look like the fifth member of the Beatles. And so she starts pissing herself immediately, like crying with laughter, like laughing so much that any fear I had just evaporated. Right. Because I'm like this. This is another human like this feels really normal. And then she composed herself and said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't laugh. It's so unprofessional of me. 
but that moment in which she tried to compose herself made her laugh more. So, like, the first five minutes of the test before we even got in the car just made me feel really at ease. And also, I guess in a weird way, built the slightest bit of rapport between me and the examiner because we had shared this kind of unusual funny moment that probably doesn't occur all that often, right? So I was feeling good. Uh, I feel like the examiner had... I wouldn't say got to know me, that's not the right phrase, but you know what I mean? It wasn't this kind of rapportless, awkward encounter where we both get into the car silently. But anyway, we both get into the car, um, and the first five or so minutes of the test were really quiet. I could tell in those first five to ten minutes that the examiner was paying really close attention to the fundamentals of what are being tested on a driving test, right? So ensuring that I'm checking my mirrors before I'm signaling or changing direction or changing speed, making sure that I'm following the correct sequences of things like traffic lights, making sure that I have a general grasp of all of the controls of the car. She was very quiet for the first 10 minutes. And I'll be honest, in those 10 minutes, I felt quite uncomfortable. Like I was making, because of the, um, I guess, the stress of that situation and being inside my own head, in those first 10 minutes, I was making silly mistakes. Now, I wouldn't say mistakes that are bad enough to be marked as actual faults on the driving test, but nonetheless, mistakes that I could tell she was picking up on, like stalling a couple of times, like not putting the handbrake down all the way, like three or four times. Uh, what Something that was judged as a minor fault, which was making a just a really poorly judged um hesitation where I just sat there for like 30 seconds in a gap that I absolutely could have got out of but those first 10 minutes passed and then the examiner asked the question that it appears every examiner asks on every test to uh, introduce the idea of a conversation they say from what I've read and it actually happened to me as well they say something along the lines of so Sean if you weren't on your driving test today what would you be doing with yourself and that opened up what was quite a short conversation about working in the office and then I explained you know I'm from Corby but work in Wales or I said I'm from the Midlands I think was the phrase I used and then this examiner has family in Birmingham so she made a comment about how it doesn't sound like I have a Birmingham accent and then that turned into just that one sentence turned into a conversation that I won't go into detail on because you know, frankly, it's not, it's not my place to share all of the things that we spoke about and that she told me. But it turned into like a very genuine, very pleasant, and I'll be honest, a very interesting 30 minute conversation with somebody who I would happily spend another three hours talking to. Um, we had a really good, really interesting conversation, uh, which I think was beneficial for two reasons. Number one, it allowed me to be not nervous because it felt like I was in the car with my instructor or it felt like I was in the car with a friend because whilst we were driving from road to road and doing all of these things that were still being assessed I felt comfortable but secondly and I'm not sure if this is intentional it was giving the examiner a view of what I will probably be like as a real driver in as much as in the real world I'm sure you'll agree nobody drives around with a passenger in their car in complete silence being watched with a clipboard you drive around and you have a conversation and you occasionally glance and make eye contact with the person next to you and so on. And so in that sense, the test became a very um, 
a very real driving experience. And so I think that there was benefits to both of us for that. Um, so anyway, we're on the course, we're on the route, whatever you want to call it. And the other thing that struck me is that I have been taught, uh, like what I spoke about last week, right? You have to learn the full curriculum of what could possibly be tested by the DVSA uh, ahead of a driving test. And then in those 42 or 43 minutes that you're with an examiner, uh, there's a tiny cross section of all of that stuff that is tested. But from all of the test routes that I had done with my examiner, from all of the videos I'd watched on YouTube, from everything that I had read on the Gov UK website and Reddit, I was expecting the route around Cardiff on the driving test to be difficult, right? I was expecting a mix between narrow, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Narrow residential streets, uh, busy city streets, a dual carriageway, some big complicated roundabouts. I was expecting it to be similar to the routes that I had practiced, but actually it was, dare I say, the easiest 40 minute drive I've ever done because the route was literally, and I don't remember it exactly, but the route was literally out of the test center onto a 30 road into a housing estate through that housing estate did the uh, like a couple of pull ups pull ups on the left a couple of the maneuver and so on out of that housing estate onto a 40 road for about a minute and then off of that 40 road into a second housing estate and then back towards the test center so the fastest speed we ever reached on the test was probably like 38 miles an hour and although yes it was a a representative cross-section of the kind of roads that we will be driving on in the real world it was just so much easier than i expected but i suppose that's a luck of the draw right from what i understand and i could be wrong um the driving test route that you take is kind of randomly assigned to you at booking in the same way that your examiner is assigned to you at booking and so you can get one of maybe 10 i don't know maybe 10 test routes and so Maybe I got lucky. I don't know what the other nine routes are like because the government no longer publishes driving test routes as of, I believe, 2009-ish. Uh, so maybe the other nine routes are harder. I don't know. But what I can tell you is that I got a very fair examiner. I got an examiner who made me feel very comfortable. And with that examiner, we drove on a route which seemed very easy. And so this is all to say that we pulled back into the test center. Uh, she basically said, I'm pleased to tell you you passed. It was a lovely drive was her phrase. I'll, uh, I'll take that. Uh, and then she, she left the car. She obviously took my provisional, gave me the pass certificate and left. She didn't even tell me what minors I had because I guess in her opinion, there was no need for the feedback because they were exactly that. They were really minor. So pulled up my phone, checked the email that I got from the DVSA and I got three minors. I think one of them was for mirrors before signaling. I must have missed checking a mirror turning left or right at some point. One of them was for moving off control and I know exactly what that would have been for. It was in the first 10 minutes of the test when I, I, I nervously stalled, which I haven't done in fucking weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of lessons but of course on the test with test day madness you stall so one of them was stalling at a set of traffic lights um, but fortunately managed to recover that very quickly and get away from the traffic that would otherwise have been stuck behind us because that 
I believe could have turned into a serious fault quite quickly with all that was going on at that set of traffic lights. And then the third one was for hesitation and that hesitation one I literally pointed out at the time. So uh, I had to pull up on the left, there was a another car in front of us doing the same test route that had came up, come out of the, um, the driving test centre and that car, that car in front had attempted, we'll use the phrase attempted, to pull up on the left uh, but they were still basically in their normal driving position and so before I pulled up on the left I stayed behind that car for a second waiting to drive around it but because of its position in the road it was so far out that I really had to steer heavy to get around it. Uh, in that time I saw a car on the other side of the road coming in our direction that I absolutely could have got out before but I waited and literally as I waited I looked at her and I said I could have made that. So that was the third fault, hesitation. It was hesitation, it was fair. Uh, and yeah, I agree with all three of the minors, but thankfully I passed and thankfully it was easier and less stressful than I imagined it would be. So if anybody happens to be listening to this um, ahead of a driving test, I hope that this helps to dampen the flames of fear that seem to be all over the internet. Because here's the thing, right? People only go onto the internet and talk about their driving test in any level of detail, generally speaking, from my experience, when they fail. And that's because the incentives are in place there, right? If you pass, it's probably in your favour to just say you passed and keep quiet about it because if you come out like me and say, I passed, yeah, but my examiner was great and the, the route seemed to be very easy by luck, it perhaps takes away some of the level of achievement that people feel. So it's only when people do badly on driving tests that they seem to go to Reddit or go to Twitter or go to forums and start spouting all of this nonsense about how examiners are the worst people on earth and there's these made up rotors that they need to fail a certain number of people and that it's definitely the fault of other road users every time they fail. And like in my experience, and of course I've only done one test, none of those things were true. I think that people who fail driving tests for the most part probably just weren't ready for the test when they took it because, you know, the, the person who was ahead of us on the same route on test day that I was watching their driving because they remained in front of us the whole time, my unqualified ex uh, ex opinion, couldn't think of the word there, my unqualified opinion is that they probably just weren't test ready. Like, they were making the kind of mistakes that are drilled out of you by like lesson 10. And so yeah, I think that the internet tells you that driving tests are very hard, but that's because the people publishing the posts telling you it's very hard have the incentive to save face by pretending that it was the fault of the examiner or it was the fault of their instructor or it was the fault of the road conditions or another road user or any kind of external um, excuse, whereas really, in my experience, it was okay. So there we go. So that was the driving test. And then over the last week or so, I have been in the absolute rabbit hole that is attempting to purchase a second-hand car. And um, I, I don't have any appetite for going to like a garage and just the the potential for things to go wrong when purchasing from a garage seems to just be enormous, right? Because you're buying from somebody who you don't know, 
you're buying a vehicle that you know very little about other than what's published online in places like the MOT records. Um, it's hard to comparatively on the spot understand the relative value of the vehicle you're purchasing and yet in front of you is stood somebody who probably has every incentive to pressure sell you into purchasing that vehicle then, right? So I was never gonna go to a garage. That was just not on my agenda. So I've been looking around online and um, I found a vehicle on Kazoo that I wanted and I was umming and ahhing about it for a little bit too long. So it sold out literally when I was on the product page the other day. And I thought, right, the next time one comes up, the next time I find a vehicle on Kazoo that is right for me, I'm just going to go ahead with it. So that was the case last night. I started the purchasing process of the vehicle I wanted last night. Uh, it timed out the session because I took a while because I had to, you know, it's a big deal buying a car, especially a first car when you know nothing about cars. So I wasn't very quick with it. Um, and then somebody else bought it, literally this morning i had to phone up kazoo and say to them there's this vehicle on your site that i can no longer purchase but it doesn't yet say sold it says um this car is in the process of being sold so i phoned them up and i said on your end is there any way of you seeing if this car is actually sold or whether it's just kind of reserved right and the lady very helpful lady from near us in wales so of course i i dropped that oh you you're from this place in wales our office is near there standard um she basically said that she can see on her system that i had reserved the vehicle for the 30 minute window that i was allowed and then somebody had kind of come in behind me clicked on the buy button when i was still in there but when the car was no longer reserved for me they had begun the purchase process and she told me that they had applied for finance and the only hope I ever had of getting this car was that either A, their finance application was rejected or B, they were offered finance and for whatever reason decided not to buy the vehicle that they had uh, began the purchasing process on. And I thought there is no chance. There's no chance that somebody's going to be declined finance because it's not the most expensive car in the world. And because of how underpriced it was relative to the similar vehicles on the site, I thought there's also no chance that this person who has started the purchase process is going to drop out. Because if they drop out, if they lose this car, the next identical model on the site is like £600 more expensive. And so I was a bit, I don't even know the word this morning, just obsessively checking every 10 minutes. And then it got to like 10 a.m. And I thought, right, I'm going to check one last time before I get on with work today. And I refreshed the page and the button that had previously been grey saying, sorry, you can't purchase this vehicle was orange. And I thought, shit, fuck, need to do it now. And I tell you what, without disclosing the actual price of the car, um, I have... A, to be honest, I've never purchased something that is a five-figure purchase. But B, I've never so quickly and confidently typed in my car details into a website to buy something so expensive. But I just thought I cannot let this car go. It was the exact car I wanted with CarPlay. Um, you probably saw it if you follow me on Instagram. I posted it today. Like, that is the car I wanted. That particular one was... Uh, under market value from anywhere else I could find it had CarPlay uh, the mileage was good and I thought I cannot not get this car or else I'm just going to be sat around waiting for another one to come around at that price and I don't know when it would be so I purchased it all very exciting and I pick it up
on Sunday. So Kazoo do home delivery where they will literally just in the back of a Kazoo branded van, they will drive your car to you anywhere in the UK. Um, now I could have done that. I could have had it delivered to Corby because as I learned this week, actually Kazoo prepare and store all of their cars about six minutes away from my house on an industrial estate in Corby. So that probably would have got it to me sooner. But what I don't want to do is for my first ever drive in this brand new car and the first drive I will ever do on my own. I don't want that to be a 170 mile journey from Corby to Cardiff across like four motorways. I'm just not ready for that. So I'm going to get to Wales and then I'm going to go to the Kazoo Customer Collection Centre, which is basically just an old car showroom that they've purchased and turned into a place where they will drop off your car there. You walk in, you pick it up, you drive out. And so that'll be it. Going to go and pick up my car on Sunday. And so begins my life as a driver. Um, don't think I'll be telling you anything more about driving, as in that, that saga's kind of over now, right? We've spoken about the lessons in February. We then spoke about the lessons stopping because of coronavirus. And then for the last four months or so, I've been giving you updates on my driving lessons as my driving test moved sooner. Last week, I told you about how I was feeling about my driving test. And this week, I've just told you about how it went and about purchasing my first car. So hopefully this podcast is going to stop being a driving test podcast and it will turn into something a bit more interesting next week. But until then, thank you as always for listening. I hope that this has been, I don't even know the word, because look, you probably have a driving license already, so it's not going to be insightful or useful, but I hope it's been a good way to spend 26 minutes of your time. Um, but either way, even if it hasn't, thank you for listening. I hope you have a good week, and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 46 of Life and Lessons. See you then. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.